Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Thank you for, for coming again. Uh, if you were involved in that one, thank you for coming again. Amen. Leviticus chapter 24. And I'll begin in verse 1 here tonight. Hallelujah. It's amazing. Uh, every service is different. Every service is different. And that's, that's probably by and large a good thing. Um, if it were all the same, it'd just become an old familiar hat to you. It'd be like, well, you know. And so God is a, is, is a variety God, and uh, every service is different. And we're thankful for what the Lord had, had done this morning uh, through the service, just from the very start, really, uh, this morning. Uh, everybody was on key, on cue, and just uh, there was an ebb and a flow between the platform and the pew. Amen. And, and the Lord was good to us. And I hope in some way, amen, we can just plug into him tonight and just see what he would have meant for us this evening Leviticus 24 verse number one uh, starting amen I will be mindful of time I know we're back in the school swing amen the Bible states these words starting with verse number one and the Lord spake unto Moses saying command the children of Israel that they bring unto the pure oil olive beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually Without the veil of the testimony and the tabernacle of the congregation, shall Aaron order it from the evening unto the morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. Thou shalt take fine flour and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two tenth deals shall be in one cake. Thou shalt set them in two rows, six on a row, upon the pure table before the Lord. Thou shalt put pure frankincense upon each row, that it may be on the bread, for a memorial, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord, continually being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy. Unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. By a perpetual statute. With the help of the Lord this evening, just for the next few moments, I'd like to minister this from Leviticus 24. I'd like to minister your part in his plan your part in his plan amen let's go to the lord right now father i come to you tonight lord god i'm grateful lord for this day that you have so graciously lord given us god that you've allowed us to worship in that you've allowed us lord to come together lord in this place to worship and magnify your name i pray oh lord anoint my mind and my lips i pray god today mark error from my heart, Lord Jesus, and from my speech. God, that something can be said, Lord, in some venue or way that can strike a chord, Lord, in each of our hearts. God, and we can be made better. 
by the word of the Lord, God, and I thank you and I praise you for what you do in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Your part, your part in his, in his plan. <clears throat> the books of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and just the five really the first five books of the Old Testament, very, very important uh, books of the Bible, not, not to be held, I suppose, any higher than any of the other books of the Bible, but there is much that's contained in them that kind of sets the platform for the Old Testament ecclesia, the Old Testament congregation, and even for that matter, the New Testament church. As observation would have it, whenever you read by and large the book, of Exodus, we learn that in that book that God spoke from the Mount of God, the Mount of Hebron, that he was constantly speaking, ministering to his people. Oftentimes through his spokesperson Moses that would have bouts and sabbaticals away to the top of that mount to have interaction with God and direction from God. But then when we turn over to the book of Leviticus, we understand that God changed his venue of speaking to man from the mountain to the tabernacle that God had spoken to Moses about on that mountain. And as we look through perhaps the Genesis, one will find that Genesis covers a period of time of approximately 2,400 years. And then we come to the book of Exodus and there's about a little over 200 years that are uh, covered in the span of, uh, of the writing of Exodus. And when we come though and approach Leviticus and we read from the first chapter to the last chapter and understand that there's only about 30 days in reality that the, the book of Leviticus covers and God seems to have slowed down very very hurried in covering creation and, and shoving a lot into a few chapters and even a little less if you will in the book of Exodus but when it comes to the book of Leviticus he slows way way down and elaborates very greatly in this book to make sure that Israel was to understand what he was saying and what he was articulating and what he desired of them to do concerning which by and large Leviticus deals with their worship of their God. He, he pauses, if you will. He, he begins from 55 miles an hour slowing down to the school zone in order so Israel will understand exactly what he is expecting of them. By and large, as a matter of fact, there's certain books of the Bible that seem to be primarily for certain groups of people. For, for example, Numbers seems to be primarily for uh, the, the Levites and the Levitical priesthood. The book of Deuteronomy is geared more generally or primarily toward the people in general. And Leviticus seems to have just a, a focus that's primarily upon the priests and the priests and their duties and their operation and their function around the tabernacle of God. And it's in this that we see that uh, there's a lot written in a few chapters of the Lord speaking through Moses, telling them very detailed with, with 
specifics, if you will, about how they are to uh, attire themselves, what type of offerings they are to bring, how their approach should and ought to be. And in the chapter that I read to you tonight is nothing less than some of the same words that the Lord had spoke to them, even in Exodus being reaffirmed to them in Leviticus concerning the priesthood. And as we read Leviticus chapter 24 in the first nine verses that I read to you tonight, we begin to read how they were responsible in, to keep that the lamp that was burning in the holy place constantly going. It was the responsibility in the morning to trim the lamp, if you will, make sure there's fresh oil inside of the lamp and that that would burn all day until evening and at the night hour they would go in and perform their service once again of, of supplying oil to the lamp trimming the wicks, if you will, so it could burn all through the night. It was to never go out forever according to their generations. The responsibility of priest, of the Aaron and his sons to do this very thing. Another responsibility of theirs was uh, that they were to weekly, the, 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 the shoe bread that was upon the table of his presence, they were su supposed to go in there on a weekly means and remove the old bread, set it aside. They, they were going to partake of that and eat of that, but they were to put fresh loaves of bread out there, 12, uh, two piles of six, though it seems by the reading of scripture and that was valid and that was important for the priest everybody say the priest for the priest to do it was very important that they do that and they were so diligent that the table wasn't to be without bread some writers in Jewish tradition even says that the hands of the priest were so mixed on the table it was almost as one was pulling off an old loaf there was one putting in a new loaf right there in its place so that there would always be the count of 12 that would be upon that table and so they were very very busy in daily administration of the lamp in their weekly administration of the table and also in that area is the altar of incense that they burned incense upon that was uh, very much so administration of the priesthood and whenever one was in that holy place it was ministering if you will unto the Lord in the outer court you, you kind of did some self administration you, you wanted to make your life was right and the priest wanted to make that sure that he was clean at the labor and that he brought the proper sacrifice for sins or trespasses that he had and they had to make sure they was right but whenever you entered into the holy place it was ministry that was taking place unto the Lord when we consider this just a little bit more and uh, I might be a, uh, to my default tonight of big, building a bigger porch than I do a house before it's all said and done but uh, when, whenever we get to this place and to the holy place of the Lord and this is some things that we may already know but of course in the outer court there was the natural light and whenever you move into the holy place there was no light of all there's so many coverings that are upon the tabernacle goat's hair and badger skins that there is no light into that holy place and so many coverings that there isn't the afforded the light of the sun to penetrate or make its way into that place. So if there's going to be any light in that holy place where ministry is happening in what was known as the sanctuary, then there was going to have to be oil in the lamp and there were going to have to be the trimming of the, the wicks and the priest was going to have to operate in that daily administration just to even have some light, amen, that would be in the sanctuary of the Most High God. If there was 
going to be any bread on the table, if there's going to be any bread on the table ministering there in the sanctuary for the priesthood even to partake of, then somebody was going to have to do some replacing of the bread by a weekly means at that table of shoe bread. If there was going to be a sweet fragrance that was going to be filling that sanctuary, the holy place, it meant that there were going to be some priests that was going to be required to do some work and lean in a little bit and put forth some effort in order to accomplish everything that God wanted wanted them to accomplish in that place. And so if I could say it like this in no uncertain terms, in order for there to be lights in the sanctuary and a table set, it required the office of a priest to be busy about his business. If there was going to be ministration happening unto the Lord, there was going to have to be a priest somewhere, daily, weekly, amen, all times, busy about the Lord's business and the Lord's work. Can someone say Amen. But verse number one speaks to us in this particular chapter. That the Lord spake unto Moses. That's a common phrase in Leviticus. God speaking to Moses almost 30 times for that matter. In the book of Leviticus, God spoke to Moses. But what he said to Moses this time was this. He said, command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure olive Oil all of beaten for the light. In other words, he says, I know the priests got to make sure there's oil in the lamp. And I know that it's their responsibility to make sure the lamp is trimmed in the morning and trimmed in the evening. But all of this isn't just contingent. What happens in the sanctuary, what happens concerning the ministry that's going to God, all of this is not contingent solely upon the plan that God gave to Moses on the mountain. It's not solely contingent upon that. That's good. That's necessary. When this thing was built, whenever it was constructed, they had to go right according to the pattern, to the plan. That's important. But all of this is not totally contingent upon the plan that Moses had. Amen. The priest has to make sure there's oil in the lamp. He has to make sure the wicks are trimmed. That's valid. That's important in order for there to be light in the sanctuary but all of it isn't even contingent upon Aaron all of it's not even contingent upon the priest he said but you command the children of Israel that they bring oil for the lambs what God was trying to relay to the people and to Moses and to everybody involved he said if there's going to be any light in the sanctuary if there's going to be any ministry unto me it relies more upon might more than just my divine plan of what I desire and what I want and it requires more than just what the priest does and what Aaron does and his son does but I'm asking the children of Israel to make a contribution I'm asking the children of Israel to participate and get in the vein of what I want to do and what I desire to do can someone say amen spoken very plainly tonight is this amen what happens around here and even as it was today in the morning that doesn't happen just because God has a divine plan for it to happen that he orders and he purposes that doesn't just happen because I spent some time somewhere this week making a little plans making preparations to come out here and preach and minister the word of God that happens because somebody when they walked through the church house doors this morning said I understand my 
my part. I brought some oil for the lamps. I brought some oil for the light. And if there's anything that's going to happen in the sanctuary, it's going to be because the priests are doing what the priests should be doing. God has ordered what God has said he ordered. And that the people... That the people has brought oil for the lamps. Everything that is done by the people of God here is a result of God's direct command to the people. I want you to note that. God spoke to Moses, but he spoke to Moses what Moses should say to the people. It wasn't Moses' desire for them to bring that. It wasn't Aaron and his sons that was pleading for them to bring that. But God had said, hey, people, bring some oil for the lamps. I wanted to somehow engage somebody in this place tonight that your purpose and you being part in the plan of the church is more than just showing up. You being part of the church is just more than coming and hearing a good little sermon really it really is being more than all of that God has a purpose God has a part God has a plan for you he wants you to participate he wants he could do it folks if God wanted to uh, he could supply the own oil his own oil for the lamps if he desired to and allowed the priest to function with that but God didn't order it like that he said I want to involve the people I want to involve them in their tents I want to involve them in their fields I want to involve them in their land I want them to have a hand in what I'm doing. What it is tonight, it's not a burden. It's not a headache. It's a privilege for you and I to come into the house of the Lord and say, you know what? The Shekinah that was there today, I had part in that. I contributed to that. I participated. I bought What, 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 and I don't want anybody to misunderstand this, but listen to me very clearly. This, this is not my church. This is not Pastor McGee's church. This is not the McGee family's church. This is some God plan that God has patterned and God has ordered. And yes, I got to do my part. But likewise, each and every one of us, doesn't matter if you've been here for 10 years or for 20 years, the command is the same for the 20-year-old as it is for the two-year-old. Bring the oil. Bring the oil. Because if there's going to be light in this place what's so important because that was the only place that light came from was the lampstand and if there wasn't no light in the place he couldn't see to function at the table of bread he couldn't see to function if there wasn't no light in the place he might not get the incense where the incense needed to be in order for the cloud and the aroma of the presence to fill the sanctuary it was so important that they had light but when you understand the importance of the light went beyond just the shoulders of the priest it went to the people and whenever the people did their part he could minister I'm not on anybody or against anybody but I want to encourage you tonight whenever there is an ebb and a flow from the pulpit to the pew and back to the pulpit it allows me to be able to minister it allows me to be able to see and function in the realm of preaching and ministering because somebody brought some oil because somebody brought a vessel because somebody made a con- he wasn't able to do what he was doing because of what he gave but because of what the people contributed. And so there's an emphasis here on the people of God keeping the word that God 
had given to their charge. That tabernacle was often a reminder to Israel of the Lord being in the midst of them. Presence of the Lord being in the midst of them. And for that matter, if we were to consider that sanctuary or that holy place, there were really about three things there that needed renewed or that needed replaced regularly. They needed oil for the lamps. They needed flour for making the bread. And they needed incense for the altar of incense. What has happened is this. At Leviticus 24, about 27 days before this time, about 24, 27 days before Leviticus 24, the tabernacle has been set up. About 27 days before this, the furnishings of the tabernacle has been set up. The presence of the Lord had found the dwelling place. About 11 days before Leviticus 24, Aaron, the high priest, and his sons had started to serve in the capacity of their priesthood. About 11 days before Leviticus chapter 24, God had already directed Moses had already directed the children of God in the book of Exodus, the cry had come. He says, you need to bring offerings for the house of the Lord before the house of the Lord was ever built. You bring your gold, you bring your silver, you bring, you bring your scarlet, you bring your blue, you bring your purple. You bring, he told them in Exodus 25 and 6, he says you bring oil for the light and you bring spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense that is the altar. But you bring all of these things, bring them to the house of the Lord before it was ever built. Watch me now. And so they're bringing these things. They're, they're amassing these things. And evidently, you know how it is. And listen, I'm just preaching. You know how it is? It was a new thing. It was a new work. It's a tabernacle. Enthusiasm high. Spirits are high. You know, they're saying you get the gold and I get the silver honey. You get the blue and I'll get the purple babe. Spirits are high. Something new. Honey, they, they, are, they are coming by the groves. They have offerings. They have brought so much. According to Exodus 36, they have brought so much. The Bible says, Lord, said they have brought much more than enough for the service of the Lord. He said they have brought so much that, that, that and every woman, woman has brought so much that they brought enough for the sanctuary. They brought enough for the tabernacle. And he says, I think I'm going to have to restrain them from bringing so much because they brought so much. He says, we, we have so much stuff that it's sufficient for all the work to make it, to start it, and even too much. Wow. Too much. In other words, there's more than enough to get this tabernacle thing started, and there's possibly too much. Now, this seems to be peculiar. Because here it is at its start. Here it is at its infancy. Something new. Spirit so high, enthusiasm so much. The people are ready to buy in. The people are willing, willing to contribute. And they do to a surplus, if you will. Let me tell you, you can only store flour for so long. I mean, let's just look at the, the, the common sense. You can only store flour for so long before flour is going to become putrid. It's going to become moldy. It's going to become unfit for use and purpose. 
only store flour for so long. There's some of those ingredients and some of those things you could only bring and store for so long that after a period of time, they're going to expire. Their shelf life is only for so long. And he said, they've already already brought enough to get us going and get us started, take care of fashioning this thing. And they probably brought too much. But then later in Leviticus, about 27 days after the finishing touches of the tabernacle, Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, is telling the people, hey, don't forget to bring oil for the lamps. And we're going to make some bread for the table of shoe bread. And it's going to be taken, the flour, if you will, is going to be taken from the children of Israel. Don't forget. Earlier, when this thing started, they're bringing so much that they have too much. Later, there's not enough being brought that it has to be asked that be brought. The moral tonight of the story is this. In our walk and relationship and daily administration with the Lord is don't allow life to be surplus on one time and deficiency on another time. Someone say amen. Those old boys, priests, had to daily make sure that there was some oil in the lamps. Weekly, make sure there was fresh bread on the table. If you see sandwich right here in the middle, Leviticus 24, Leviticus 23 before, Leviticus 25 after. If you read Leviticus 23, it is talking about the annual feast. What's all required at the annual feast. What they need concerning sacrifices at the annual feast and the festivals. Man, that's something, that, you know, special rally, rally around that special time. Uh, let me put it in terms of you know, rally around revival at the tabernacle. Those annual feasts, those special feasts. Man, this is what we're going to need. This is what we're going to require. Or Leviticus chapter 25, on the other hand, it speaks, about, it speaks about those sabbatical years. Every seven years, they would have some special feasts, man, that they would plan for and ramp up to and hoard masses for. And they would have the year of Jubilee that happened every 50 years. Maybe you'd only have one or two in your lifetime, you know. And so you're, you're ramping up that and you're going to do that. But he says right smack dab between times when you have annual things and times when you have things that happen every seven years or 50 years, right in the middle, we got something that happens every day. There's got to be light in the sanctuary and every week there's got to be fresh bread on the table. And just as much as we need to plan for the annual things and just as much as we need to plan for the 50-year things and the seven-year things, there's something we got to plan for every day. Don't allow there to be surplus one moment and deficiency the next. We got to find balance and consistency. You have a part, whether it's a celebration of revival or if it's Wednesday night Bible study, you got to bring some oil and bring some flour. It's your part in his plan. It's your part in his plan. Someone say amen. See, because whenever you consider oil for lamps, bread for the table of shoe bread or flour for that bread that was made by the priest, those are things that could very easily be overlooked because through Leviticus, there are some very extraordinary commands from Leviticus 1 to Leviticus. There's Leviticus 23. There's some really extraordinary commands that are given to the people of God. And in the midst of all those spectacular, you could somehow lose the ordinary. The ordinary. 
But the yearly festivals and the years of jubilees were in essence predicated upon what happened daily around the tabernacle. Someone say amen. What happened daily around the tabernacle? I don't believe there was a visitation of heaven this morning just because of someone just making a decision today. But someone has storehoused up daily and decided I'm a part of this when it's low tide. I'm a part of this when it's high tide. I bring oil when there's enough and I bring oil when there isn't enough and I bring flour that's sifted and I make sure it's just what's required and what's needed. Amen, because although today is just a daily ministration, there's gonna be another day that this is gonna be an annual feast or another day that this is gonna be the year of Jubilee and I'm not just gonna join the choir then and I'm not just gonna pull up to the table then. God has made an invitation right now he could just sit at the table by himself, but he's opened up some spaces for you and me to just pull up to the table and be a part of his plan. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. So they would bring olive oil that was pure and tainted so that there would be light in the sanctuary. And what that did for those children of Israel what that did for them. Those children of Israel in that day, a New Testament day, the normal Israelite would never make his way into the sanctuary, never into the holy place. But you know what that did for that man or for that woman? They had a felt interest in the unseen work of the sanctuary because they had participated. They had participated in furnishing what goes on in the sanctuary. Someone say amen. There may be certain aspects of the church that you never function in and you never see, but there's contributions that you can make that will make you sow some seed in the interest of something that you may never participate in yourself. Amen. And as you bring it, you are a participant in it. Though you do not function in that role or do not function in that capacity, you're still a part of God's plan. They were to provide the oil. They were to obtain the oil. Aaron was going to apply it and Aaron was going to maintain it. But he was no better than they were because of the contribution that they made. Someone say amen. So they would take this bread and this, this flour, rather, and they'd make this showbread, the bread of the presence. Amen. The Bible says that it sat before the Lord. Amen. That's the reason why it's called the bread of his presence. It was though it was bread that was placed in the very presence of the Lord. Those Israelites that are on the outskirts that would never see that could say, you know what? Those, that flour that we sifted to 11 to 12 times, some of that flour, some of my flour sitting right in there before the very presence of the Lord. I had a hand in that. I made a, my family, we worked the soil. We grew the grain. We harvested it. We worked it. We, we, we put it down. We sacrificed it from that of our family. And you know what? It's right in there before the presence of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, there need to be some things. And God wants us to have part in the kingdom and in the church that there's things that are before his presence that are our hands have touched, our hearts have wept over, our eyes have cried about. Our investment has been made. Someone say amen. Flour was furnished by the people, but it was baked by the priest. Daily light, daily bread, 
in the sanctuary was as a result of the people's daily participation in what happened in that sanctuary. There's a principle. It's an old principle. It's not spiritual. It's just really quite carnal and natural. But the saying is this. The principle is that the whole is more than the sum of its parts. Now, through the venue and category of mathematics, that's totally incorrect. Through math, the whole is equal to the sum of its parts. But this is speaking more on a psychological or type of arena that the, 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 the total or the whole is more than the sum of its parts, meaning this, that whenever people are in concert with one another toward a goal, toward a purpose, toward a plan, that they achieve more in concert because there is a sense, and it's maybe more of a new word than what it used to be years ago, and maybe not as new now. There's more of a synergy that takes place that my excitement, enthusiasm, and ideas spur your excitement, enthusiasm, and ideas. So much so that the end result is greater than each of us working separately, independently on our own go and our own dream. God says, I'm setting up a plan. If I wanted to do it, I could do it all by myself. If I wanted to establish the priesthood, I could establish the priesthood to do it all by themselves. Get their own oil, still trim the lamp, still make sure it was full, get their own flour, make their own bread and put it on the table. He says, but no, I have a plan and my plan is this. It's gonna be after my pattern. I'm gonna incorporate the priest, but I'm gonna incorporate the people. And whenever there's times that the priests are having a hard time, they're gonna be driven by the people. And when the people are having having a hard time, they're going to be driven by the priest. And when both of them are upset, they're going to lean on my divine plan. What's he trying to do? He knows when a Paul McGee yokes up with a James Malone and a James Malone yokes up with a Jerry Mason and a Jerry Mason yokes up with a Mike Pinrock. Each of us independently with our own dreams and own aspirations will only go so far. But whenever I thrive off what you can contribute and you thrive off what I can contribute and we both join together with a desire and a purpose of a one goal and our excitement and our enthusiasm rises, he says then the whole sum of the matter is this. The whole is more than just the sum of its God said I'm on you to have a part in my divine plan someone say amen we're going to try to set some more places at the table around here we're going to try to set some more places around the table. You hear me? What, are you, what in the world? Are you, can you speak English tonight? Because that would be really good if you could. Because there's some things that I do I don't need to do. It's not because I don't know how to do them. But I don't need to do them because somebody else does. Let me talk to you. The old, the old mentality was this. You got a pastor. Okay, 
And that man, needs, he needs to keep the books, all right? He needs to cut the checks. This is, doesn't happen around here, okay? He, need, he needs to clean the baptistry and fill it up. He needs to mow the grass. He needs to do the counseling. He needs, he, needs, he needs to head up all the job descriptions for those that are working in the church. He needs to have, he needs to have, a, the, he needs to be the one that does the leadership speaking. I'm sorry, I'm messing with somebody, I guess, that may be from back then. <laughs> but in reality, it's not even biblically based. The Bible spoke in Ephesians 4 about giving some apostles, uh-huh, and prophets, and pastors, and teachers, uh-huh. When the Bible spoke about them for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Whenever it speaks about the word perfection, there is exactly the perfecting of the saints is the equipping of the saints. Meaning this, that those apostles and prophets and pastors, teachers were given for the equipping of the saints to teach them, uh-huh, to educate them, to participate in the body ministry. I'm not trying to shirk any responsibilities. I'm not trying to shirk any responsibilities. But God's given me a mandate and he's given me a job description. The job description he's given me is to preach and teach this word to the best of my ability. And so I really just want to turn my attention to get absorbed in this thing. So that whenever I come here, hopefully I have a word from heaven every time. And I speak with clarity and with faithfulness. All right. And now in the meantime, people that are sitting on the fringes that don't have no contribution being made. Listen to me. And I'm not saying that means spirited. I'm saying that that's partly my fault. Have no contribution being made. Amen. They, they don't see the purpose of the light and food, bread on the table because they haven't given the oil and have been able to give the flour. I'm hoping in the next year, amen, to open up some opportunities where you can bring your oil and bring your flour and make your contribution so that whenever whatever happening in the sanctuary, you're not going to stand idly by. You're going to say, I had something to do with that. I had Is everybody all right? We, we got some things. I got some things I could hand out. I put up the podcast around at this church. I don't need to do that. We have younger generations that hopefully have at least a mind know how to operate a computer. If you know how to operate a computer, you can do that. Very simple. You can very easily do that. I don't need to do that. Amen. But that's something I do. I don't have to do it. That's something somebody out here could do that don't have nothing to do. And you're saying, well, what's my contribution in that? Well, I put on a lot of podcasts. I'll tell you what your contribution is. Whenever you do that, you reach on average, on almost a daily average, you reach 400 people that for the most part don't go right here. If you do that, on the most part over the past four years, we are coming close upon our quarter of a million download of a sermon over since 2011, spring of 2011, if you do that. If you do that, I hear words whenever I travel about people in other states that listen to our podcast, pastors and laity, that's been strengthened and encouraged by the word of the Lord. If you do that, what are you doing? You're sowing seed where your hand will never go. As a priest, I'll be preparing the word. But as a, as a Israelite, you'll be helping getting the word from here to beyond here. And you will have made a There's no sense in me in preaching it and then uploading it. I preach it, somebody else can upload it, and maybe somebody's life can be changed by it because you participate.
tell you, there's some, there's some things on the horizon, I hope, with the new year that, that are going to be changing things that have been on my heart long before this past Sunday, before that, things that have been kind of brewing, and I've been waiting for God for just the right time and such to relay and share. But I believe this coming year is good. there's going to be some things that are going to unfold, and there's some things and conversations that I need to have in the making in order to set some things up, uh, so on and so forth, but some things that are going to unfold. But what all that does is this. It allows each and every one of us to connect with one another. Yeah. I can't hold you too much longer. I wouldn't hold you too much longer. <clears throat> Eric Weiss was, was a remarkable man. By the time of his death, he was, he was famous around the wor- world. Perhaps you've heard of him. Has anybody heard of him? Eric Weiss. No. Maybe perhaps this will help you. He was born of a Hungarian Jewish parentage in Appleton, Wisconsin in 1894. Surely someone was alive back then. He became the highest paid entertainer of his day. Still no grabbers. Okay. Doesn't help very much. All right. Well, when he finally got his act together, he adopted a stage name called Harry the Houdini. Does that help anybody? Light bulb. He was a master showman, a distinguished flyer, mystifying magician. Most of all, he was an unsurpassed escapologist, escapologist, as they called it. On March the 10th of 1904, the London Daily Illustrated Mirror, as it was called, challenged Houdini to escape from a special pair of handcuffs that they had prepared. They said, are you ready? There were six locks on each cuff and nine tumblers on each lock. Seven days later, 4,000 spectators gathered in London Hippodrome to witness the outcome of the audacious challenge that Houdini had accepted. At precisely 3.15 p.m., the manacled showman stepped into an empty cabinet that came up to his waist. Kneeling down, he was out of the sight for a full 20 minutes. He stood up, smiling as the crowd applauded, thinking he was free, but he was not. He asked for more light. They came on, brightened, amen, the area where he was working. He knelt back down, out of sight. Fifteen minutes later, he stood to his feet. Applause broke out again, premature though. He was still handcuffed, said he just needed to flex his knees crouched down inside of this box down into the cabinet again with the magician 20 minutes passed slowly the crowds beginning to murmur among themselves and once again Houdini stood up on his feet very slowly this time with a broad smile man the crowd was loud the applause and they quickly stopped as soon as they seen he's still not free 
because the bright lights made it so hot inside of that close area, that little box and cabinet he was in and so intense. He jumped out of the box for a little bit, twisted his hands that were cuffed together in front of him and until he could reach a pocket knife in his vest. He opened up the pocket knife uh, with his teeth. He held his hand. He, he handled it in his mouth. He bent forward to a degree that, that the coattails that was on his back flipped over top of his head. He grasped the coat with his hands. He pulled it over his head and he proceeded to lash out at it with the knife that was in his mouth. Whenever he had finished doing all of that, he threw the strips aside of the heavy coat and he jumped back in the box. Went down again out of the side of the audience. He was now only down there for 10 minutes and with a dramatic flourish, he jumped up from the box, wrist-free, waving his bulky handcuffs over top of his head in triumph. Pandemonium just set out across those 4,000 spectators that were in London that gathered to see this. Once again, this showman, this escapologist, if you will, had achieved a very, very incredible, almost impossible feat for their day. And later, Houdini was interviewed. Everyone wanted to know. Everyone wanted to know why he had interrupted the process of its escape over and over as often as he did. And with a little twinkle in his eye, the magician freely admitted that he really didn't have to interrupt the process. He really told them the process was really based upon his knowledge and that he could have done it based upon what it was in his head. But he interrupted the process and jumped out oftentimes and he kept standing up before he was loosed because he confessed he wanted the audience applause to keep his enthusiasm up. What he was conveying was this. Whether we're 4,000 spectators or not, I could have broke free from the handcuffs. And whether I jumped out of the box and back in and got my pocket knife out, shredded my coat through the side, I could have loosed the handcuffs. He said, but there was something about making connection with the crowd. And their applause and their intrigue feeding me. And that in turn feeding them. That made it more worthwhile when I stepped out free than what it would have been if I had not interrupted the process and encouraged their applause. What I'm saying tonight is this. God has made a plan that involves a priest and the people. And he could do it all by himself. But it's just more fun to include the intrigue and the ideas and the function and the strength of the priest and the contribution of the people to see his plan come to its purpose. Oh, yes. Someone say amen. You can stand with me here this evening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're part. Everybody say, I'm part in his plan. I'm part in his plan. In his plan. Probably in this coming year, you're going to start once again hearing more from Brother Mason and Bishop than what we've had in months go by not because I'm not capable of coming to this pulpit three times a week but because there's just something about 
having somebody else step into this pulpit and link arms with the priest and help provide some oil and help provide some flour. Amen. There's some, there's some jobs that can be done that I do that others can do. There's some jobs that Sister Penrod does that other people can do. And we're hoping that there could be something that just might melt your butter. Because we want you to be able to bring your oil and bring your flour. There's going to be some changes coming up. I know I'm speaking in shadows and shadows and types. There's going to be some changes coming up. There's going to be maybe some uh, different functions and different roles that people used to serve in. They won't serve in no more, but new roles that they'll serve in. Amen. I know. What are you doing? I hope I'm just dropping enough bread to make you hungry. There's some conversations that I yet are to have, and I'll omit this tonight because the row, let me tell you, I cannot, I, I, I'm unable to be a pastor, a lawyer, a counselor, a financial advisor. I'm unable to do it. You know, even at this size, just unable to do it. I, I have been known in times past, God, God does good with laying things on my heart to be a great dreamer. But sometimes I'm not the best interpreter of the dream or the best administrator of the dream. Amen. But there's some things going to be set in stage. And I'm telling you right now, they're here probably soon in the new year perhaps, if not before, I'm going to approach this pulpit and talk to you about how every dreamer needs an interpreter. Because it's something that God had placed on my heart back in June as I sat out and watched my kids swim in a pool and I began to pin things down that I felt like God was telling me. Because you all are a part of His plan. That part, Sister Dixie, is more than you being here. You're starting to function in some of those areas. Amen. That part is more, more, Brother Andrew, than coming here and lifting a hand. There's more to you being a part of his plan than that. You know what's going to happen? Everybody gets ownership. Because whenever the lost cry through and pray through and are baptized in Jesus' name, Ultimately, it's God's plan and His divine work. But you know what we say? I was able to be a part Amen. of that. I was, I was able. I was able to be a part. Be a part of that. That, that, that wasn't Brother McGee. That wasn't old Brother McGee. Preaching a fancy little what you do sermon. No. I brought some oil. I brought some flour. And if I didn't bring no oil or flour, he could never feel a lamb. And he'd never be able to put bread on the table. Amen. Your part in his plan. I'm asking tonight if each of us can come forward. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.